Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. And who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Amen. Good morning, church family, and it is so good to be with you here, both in person and online in our services here at uh, Windsor Road. I'm just delighted to have another uh, beginning of the week, worshiping the Lord we love with people that I love, and I just want to welcome you all. I want to welcome you all here, both in person and online. Uh, My name is Randy, and I'm privileged to be the lead minister here at the church, and very quickly, we hope that you are feeling at home here and we'll feel at home here at Windsor Road. And I'm going to be in a space uh, that we've designated as, we call it the Fireside Room. And uh, I would just love to uh, meet you there afterwards and uh, just have a few moments of your time. If you've got any encouragements and prayers, I would love, would love to pray with you about your encouragements and your needs. And if you'll put those needs and encouragements down on the app or in the card that's provided on the tables as you exit through the glass doors. Uh, We'll remember your prayer requests and encouragements uh, in our Tuesday morning staff meeting at 8.30 and then at our elders meeting that we uh, meet uh, uh, Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. So uh, let us know how we can hold you up in prayer. Well, we're in a series... uh, on Psalm 23, the 23rd Psalm. And if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn there. You'll find Psalm 23 about in the middle of your Bible. You'll find the book of Psalms. And then if you'll turn to Psalm 23, we are going to be looking at verses 1 through 3 this morning. Psalm 23, verses 1 through 3. And I'd like to put a tag on this message Finding my enoughness in the provision of Christ. You say that with me? Finding my enoughness in the provision of Christ. One more time. Finding my enoughness in the provision of Christ. Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, Thank you that we can call you Father. Thank you that you've brought us here after a week like this and that we can rest and find rest in worship, find rest in community, find rest in your word. 
and be shepherded by you, Lord. Be shepherded by you. Thank you. Thank you for this warm room and this dry room. Thank you for the light and the heat. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for this family of redeemed brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you that you let me just serve you and your people. Thank you that you let me shepherd what does not belong to me. And once again, I ask that you would help me just step aside so that in these moments, we would be fed from your hand by your word. Help us to listen to what you say. Help us to understand what you say. And help us to live what you say. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, the church said. Amen. Amen. Finding my enoughness in the provision of Christ. I almost used the word contentment. I mean, that would have worked. Sheep can be content. We'll see that soon enough in verses 1 through 3. But there's something about enoughness that runs deeper than if I would have used the word contentment. I mean, enoughness touches us as image bearers of Almighty God. I mean, I've never seen sheep, cattle, or livestock struggle with enoughness. Have you? Has your goldfish ever said to you, I'd like to talk to you about my enoughness? Um, no, I didn't think so. Image bearers, on the other hand, <laughs> pay attention and you'll notice enoughness everywhere. Especially in the landscape of loneliness and fatigue and worry and epic national polarization. You'll hear stories of people racing to be successful enough, happy enough, thin enough, smart enough, influential enough, desired enough, charitable enough, good enough. I mean, enoughness drives us to believe if I could just possess this, or if I just own that, if I could get it, keep it, stockpile it, and live off it, well, then that would be enough. Uh, saving Private Ryan. Very last scene. Saving Private Ryan. You know, Matt Damon's character is an old man now. 
And he's been, he'd been rescued by Tom Hanks' character. Spoiler alert. It's been almost 25 years. If you haven't seen it by now, come on. But Tom Hanks' character is the captain who gave his life so that Ryan could have his life. And so now as an old man, he stands there at that military cemetery looking at Tom Hanks' character's grave and he's crying out in desperation to his wife. Remember? Tell me I'm a good man. Tell me, I'm, tell me I lived a good life. He's desperate. What's that about? Enoughness. That's what that's about. That's what that's about. Enoughness. Enoughness. Enoughness can give you rest and peace and sleep or enoughness can, can drive you onto a manic, depressive hamster's wheel. It, it, it just depends on where you seek your enoughness. See, we, we want to believe that if we could just attain some metric, then value and validation and love would be ours forever. That if we got enough, we could be enough. But the problem is, no matter how close we get, we're never quite there. So do you, do you see why I use that word enoughness? It's a word that reveals the places or the people we seek for validity, value, identity, and meaning. And I'm here to tell you a sobering and liberating reality, and it's this. We will never find enoughness in the city of man. Ever. Ever. You will never find enoughness in the things of earth. You will never find enoughness from below. Enoughness can only be found in the shepherd of heaven. I'm telling you, that is a liberating reality. And so Psalm 23 Verses 1 through 3 is an invitation for us to, to lift up our eyes. Later, the psalmist would say in Psalm 121, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? You could say the word enoughness if you wanted to. It would be the same thing. Where does my enoughness come from? Psalm 23 is an invitation for us to lift up our eyes beyond the hills, beyond earth, beyond the things that we can see that are temporary to what, to who is unseen, and we will find enoughness in the provision of Christ. I smell a big idea. Here it is. Here it is. I have found my enoughness in the provision of Christ. Say that with me. I found my enoughness in the provision of Christ. That is to say, what I have in Christ far outweighs what I lack in life. What I mean is that your more in Jesus is greater than your less in life. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? David, David believed that. Psalm 23 is the true faith story of a life rooted, rooted in the realization that my enoughness has been provided for and I know who it is who provided it. 
And so what I just want to do this morning is just walk through each of these phrases in Psalm 23, 1, 2, and 3, so that we can see the provision and, more importantly, know the provider. That's where I'm going this morning. Will you walk with me? Verse 1a, the Lord is my shepherd. When, when David says Lord, it, well, it's the word Yahweh. It's practically untranslatable. Yahweh. I am who I am. It's the broadest Hebrew verb to be. Being itself, himself, is my shepherd. The one who is ultimate reality, he's my shepherd. The infinite, unbounded God. The God who has never not existed. The God who was and is and is to come. The God who cannot be measured, cannot be weighed, cannot be exhausted. The God who is all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present. The God who governs the galaxies. This God who with speech, mind you, speech, created our planet in our solar system, which is part of our Milky Way galaxy, which is one of 180 billion. Oh no, some say 2 trillion. Okay, argue about it. All of these galaxies were created and are governed by the God whose name is Yahweh, and this one true God, he's my shepherd. In Exodus chapter 3, God commissioned Moses to lead Israel out of Egypt. You remember what Moses said to God? Who am I that I should lead Israel out? And God said, I will be with you. I'll tell you who you are, God said. I'll tell you who you are. You are the one with whom I will be. That is your identity. You put that on your name tag. Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I am with you always to the end of the age. That's who you are. You are the one with whom Christ will be. And that's why David says, I shall not want. That doesn't mean I don't have any wants. It doesn't put me in some Buddhist state of desirelessness. It doesn't mean I'm able to stoically suppress desire, hold it down, hide it, mask it, and camouflage it. No, it means I'm not lacking. It means I'm good. I'm good. It, it means that those who trust Yahweh, as sheep do their shepherd, will never lack for whatever they need. I, I shall not want means I have everything my shepherd says I need. And, and if you look at the subject of each of these verbs, little grammar here from the pastor. Verses 2 and 3. Observation. We've been observing in our Wednesday night course 
on uh, understanding the Bible, just making simple observations. Who's the subject of these verbs in verses 2 and 3? Well, the Lord is, the shepherd is, verse 2. He makes me lie down in literally pastures of grass. We say green grass, well, because that's what colored grass is, but pastures of grass. He makes me lie down in pastures of grass, literally. So, again, we're not talking about Midwestern sheeping. We're talking about the Middle Eastern, Israelite culture, and Israelite shepherds. And according to Middle Eastern shepherds, it's almost impossible. It's almost impossible for sheep to lie down unless four conditions are met. First, they have to be free from fear. Second, they have to be free from friction with other sheep. And third, they have to be free from pests and parasites. And then fourth, they have to be free from hunger. Those four conditions have to be met before you the sheep will lie down. Only, and, and listen, only the shepherd can ease these anxieties. And so without the shepherd's presence and involvement, the flock will turn restless and discontented and agitated and disturbed. Are we talking about sheep now? Well, we're talking about us. We're like that. I'm like that. Right? Uh, let, me, let me just talk about, let me just talk about freedom from Fear and freedom from friction here. Okay. When it comes to fear, it's the unknown that makes us anxious, isn't it? It's, it's what we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. We don't know when this pandemic is going to end. We don't know. We don't know if our health is going to improve. We don't know. We don't know what the world's going to look like that our children and grandchildren are growing up into. And that kind of anxiety, the anxiety of the unknown, just kind of makes us restless. Ah, but David says, I have a shepherd. And God is my shepherd. And his presence makes all the difference. His proximity changes my outlook. His closeness brings hope. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He, makes, he stretches me out. He stretches me out. Just, just, just relax, Randy. Just lay down. I'm here. I'm here. Okay? A good commentary on Psalm 23 is Ezekiel 34. Write that down. Ezekiel 34, 14. The Lord himself says, I will feed them with good pasture. And on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land. 
and on rich pasture. They shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong. I will watch over. I will feed them in justice. Now that's our shepherd, amen? Freedom from fear, and then let's just talk about friction shortly. Friction with other sheep can keep us from resting, right? And how many of us have found ourselves edgy and irritable because someone else in the flock? One Middle Eastern shepherd put it this way, you know, when the sheep were fighting, whenever I came into view and my presence attracted their attention, they quickly forgot their foolish rivalries and stopped their fighting. The shepherd's presence made all the difference in their behavior. In other words, when I'm seeking my enoughness in the shepherd, then I'm not seeking it in other sheep. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside waters of rest. Still waters. Waters, waters that have pooled from the pasture lands of the spring rains. Because the, the rain falls so quickly and with such velocity that it doesn't have time to all soak into the ground. And so there are pools of water in the grasslands and then there are waters from streams, but the streams are moving waters, turbulent waters. So the shepherd has to build a little dam from the rocks that will cause the waters to pool because the sheep won't enter moving water. Too scared. So the still waters are not simply for drinking, but for washing. So David looks to the Lord to lead him to the calm, quiet place of clean, pure water. And that's why the verse does not read, he leads me beside whitewater rapids. <laughs> because rest never comes from the rapids. A young pastor once asked a wise mentor, how do I become spiritually healthy? How do I become, how do I become spiritually healthy? Pen and pad were out, ready to write, ready to take notes, and the sage paused and replied, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Oh, that's, that's a good one. That'll preach. What else? What else? There is nothing else. There is nothing else. Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. 
Jesus said that the two greatest commandments were loving God and loving others. But, but all of us here know that love is painfully time-consuming. Every parent here knows this, as do spouses and long-term friends. So hurry and love are incompatible. You want to see me at my worst? It's when I'm in a hurry. It's when, it's when I'm running late for an appointment. It's when, it's when I'm behind on an unrealistic to-do list that I tried to cram too much into one day. And as a result, I ooze, ooze, spew anger, tension, and criticism, the unholy trinity of anti-love. So, so the next time you're running late, next time you're trying to get your family out the house, pay, att pay attention to how you relate to them. Does it look like love? Does it feel like love? Or does it look more like agitation, anger, sarcasm, and a scowl? Hurry and love are like oil and water. They don't mix. And in the great love chapter of the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13, you will not find the word hurry. See, see, there's a reason why the Bible talks about walking with God, not hurrying with God. It's because God is love, and because He loves us, He leads us beside peaceful waters of rest. And as a result, we experience enoughness. Enoughness. And then verse 3 says, He restores my soul. The old King James Version. He restoreth my soul. And there's something poetic and simple about that phrase. Um, at the same time, in English, it has come to mean that God took my tired, deflated spirit and filled me and inspired me and He made me feel better about myself. Well, Literally, the verse reads, literally, he repented my life. He repented my life. That is to say, he caused me to repent. So the, the word restore means return. And so one translation puts it this way. He brought me from the wrong path to the right path. So the picture is of a sheep that has become lost and it begins to quiver and it begins bleeding and the shepherd needs to locate it and rescue it or else it will die. Let me tell you the story of all of our lives here. Take a look at this picture here. Now on the right is someone in a black sweater and blue jeans. That's the shepherd. That's Jesus. Okay? And on the left, there, that white dot, that's a sheep. That's us. Okay? Next picture. Yeah. Next picture. Yeah. That is the story of our life in Christ. There it is. We're lost sheep whose lives have been restored. 
because the shepherd went to go get us. Sheep was on a bad path, but the shepherd rescued us and put us on a good path, the right path. And here's the deal. In many scenarios like this, the shepherd will wait until the sheep are so faint that they cannot stand. And then they'll go get the sheep. You say, why don't they go get the sheep first? Because <laughs> those sheep are so scared, they'll just dash right off to their death. That's why. And is that not the story of our lives? Is it? We won't go back to God till, we don't, till, till we've lost everything. If you're, if you're a wanderer, the good shepherd will bring you back the moment you've given up on trying to save yourself and you're willing to let him save you his way. He repents my life. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. So I was on a path of righteousness until the good shepherd found me, rescued me, and set me on a right path. The paths of righteousness are the paths that reflect the righteousness of God. So his righteousness is a path for my righteousness. Walk this path path and you will become this kind of person proverbs 4 11 says i have taught you the way of wisdom i have led you in the paths of 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 uprightness so faith is a walk right left right left right left and when you walk a kind of path you become a kind of person. Your path is taking you somewhere. Your life in God is a journey to a destiny, a destination. And everyone is on a path. Everyone. So the question is, is your path taking you somewhere or is it just taking you? Verse 3 says, for his name's sake. For his name's sake. So why, does, why does God do this? For his name's sake. The shepherd acts out of his own integrity. He's the good shepherd. He will not settle for, well, 99 out of 100 ain't bad. If there's one missing, he's going to go out and find that one sheep. This is why I can preach. Sheep matter to Christ, and it's in his character to care. He makes me lie down. He leads me. He restores me. He leads me. No, no, no wonder David says, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm good. I'm good. Last week we saw how Psalm 23 is about the different geographies of our life. How... How God, our shepherd, watches over us in the good lands. And how he walks with us in the bad lands. And how he welcomes us in the best lands. Well, this week I want you to see some deep architecture to these verses. Because you see, Psalm 23, you can remember the heart of God in Psalm 23 when you just remember the phrase, The Lord is, I shall. 
The Lord is, I shall. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not fear. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall triumph. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall dwell with him forever. Can you say that? Psalm 23 is, it's a creed. It's a statement of faith. It's a psalm of confidence and trust. And it's as if David says to all of the readers, everyone here has a shepherd. Everyone here has a shepherd. Someone or something right now is shepherding you. Who are you looking to for your guardianship? Who are you seeking to still you, calm you, make you secure? Who? If isn't, are you tired enough yet? Are you? If you if you are, then then stop seeking these pseudo-shepherds. You say, what are you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking about performance shepherds. I'm talking about relationship shepherds. I'm talking about appearance shepherds. I'm talking about pleasure shepherds. I'm talking about possessions shepherds. I'm talking about success shepherds. None of those shepherds can make you lie down. They don't want you to lie down. Because if you don't lie down, you can't serve them. So you stay on your feet, and yet you realize you can never live up to their demands. Just just a little more involvement, just a little more work, just a a little more pleasure. I can quit any time. Just a little more to benefit them, just a little more blood and sweat. You give more, and they keep demanding more, and they will not let up and let you lie down in green pastures. And they're not going to lead you by waters of rest. They're going to make you frazzled. You want something to drink, then grab a quick sip at the water station, but don't you dare stop. And they want you to compare yourself to the other sheep so that you can compete and win and be on top. And if you should happen to win the championship or the gold or the trophy, then their very next question is, let's get ready for next year. Well, can't I enjoy this? No. Enoughness will never come from pseudo-shepherds. And Maybe, I don't know when this was written, but some scholars think this was written after David had lived some decades and he finally realizes what God has been trying to teach him all along, that there is no provision like the good shepherd, the true shepherd. You know, maybe this season in our nation is an opportunity. There's this experience that has been written about called the Great Resignation. And part of it is people are awakening to the reality that there's more to life than a rat race. We're not rats. You're right, you're not. You're sheep. We're sheep. And and whether you lie down or not, whether you rest or not, whether you flourish or not, depends on your shepherd. David says, God is my shepherd. I'm good. He stretches me out in pasture of grasslands. He leads me beside the waters of rest and he washes me and he allows me to drink and he and he 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 has returned my life from the bad path to the righteous path and and so 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 listen to me if that god would do that what do you think that tells you about how he feels about you he's for you he is not your enemy he is not your enemy 
He's not irritated with you. He's not annoyed with you. He enjoys you. What other life are you looking for? And here's the temptation. Okay, tell me what I need to do, Pastor. <laughs> well, I'm not going to judge you because I asked that question first. I did. And so as I was reading my Bible to try to figure out how would I best answer that question, wait a minute, maybe I should just let the shepherd speak because he was asked that question. You, you can read about it in John 6, 28 and 29. John 6, 28 and 29. But they said to him, that's Jesus, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, verse 29, this is the work of God. Are you ready? Believe. Believe in him whom he has sent. That's, that's the application, church. Believe. Trust. Stay with the shepherd. Keep your eye on the shepherd. Listen to the shepherd. Feed off the shepherd. Who are you? You are the one with whom Jesus will be. That's your identity. That's on your name tag. If that will not satisfy you, nothing will satisfy you. But it will satisfy you if you will, if you will be aware of it. And then if you will, you, it takes more than being awareness and we need to embrace it. John 6, 40, go on down in those verses. For this is the will of my Father that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him, relies on Him, places active trust in Him, should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up at the last day. So we believe on Him by feeding on His Word. So too often we mistake believing for knowing or believing for agreeing with, or believing for being aware of. I know that's grass and water. I know this, that's grass and water. Well, are you going to take it in? you got to take it in. I know that's grass and water, but I'm still starving. Well, I agree that grass is good for me and will strengthen me, but I need to believe and trust and take it in and incorporate it and appropriate the truth in our life. I need to, I need to consume it. Drink it, swallow it, digest it. And that's what we can do in community. And that's what we, we can do when we get up and we drive here and we spend time together here. Where we stretch out and rest in the promises of God. And sit in the company of others without trying to size them up. And that's what happens when we turn from other pseudo-shepherds and feed on Christ, the true shepherd. His flesh, his blood, his life, he is who gives me rest. He is who gives me rest. And do you know why we can do that? We can rest our bodies in the grasslands because our shepherd's body rested on a wooden cross. We can drink the still waters because our shepherd drank sour wine from the cross. We can be led in paths of righteousness because our shepherd was led on a path to crucifixion for us. We can be restored because our shepherd's life was resurrected. 
And we need never seek enoughness from others because on the cross, Jesus said, enough! It's finished! There's nothing for you to do to earn your enoughness. There is only faith. Faith is not merely knowledge. Faith is active trust in the enoughness of Christ. And one of the ways that we display the incorporation of Christ's enoughness in us is how we share that enoughness with others. (laughs) That's why Paul said in Galatians, That the only thing that counts, the only thing that counts, that's a pretty absolute statement. The only thing that counts, Galatians 5, 6, is faith working through love. And this not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works so that none can boast. Can your shepherd do that? So now there's a choice. I have two pictures to show you. And then I'm going to pray and sit down. The first picture is the church we must never become. Look. That is Cruella DeVille. That's the Cruella DeVille Christian Church. Well, I wouldn't even call it Christian. Have you seen that, ma'am? Me trying to excel in my career, maintain a social life, drink enough water, exercise, text everyone back, stay sane, survive, and be happy. Huh? I need to see that. I'm a pastor. I need to see that. I need, I need that. I did that for me. I need to be reminded of that. You don't need that as your pastor. Okay? That's what I hope we never become. This is what this is what we're praying for right here. Next picture. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Choose. 